Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Uh, welcome to June, and uh, welcome to Elliot S. Magan. Man, I'm really happy to have Elliot back. I had hoped to get him on before uh, Miracle Monday, and if you're not an old-time Superman fan, you might not be aware that Miracle Monday is a Superman holiday created by Elliot for the novel Miracle Monday, uh, which is now being re-released in uh, Elliot's own imprint. But uh, it's the third Monday of every May. And, in fact, the story uh, initially takes place in the far 29th century when they know it's a Superman holiday, but they're not even sure of the... uh, the details behind Miracle Monday and why it became a Superman holiday. So a history time traveler goes back in time, Kristen Wells, and becomes Lois Lane's assistant to insinuate herself in the WGBS-TV newsroom, which is pretty much the Daily Planet newsroom, just transposed to television, as it was uh, during the Julie Schwartz years of the 1970s, the years that Elliot, Carrie Bates, and Marty Pascoe were uh, writing Superman and doing it to great effect. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. This is my Superman era. This is when I became aware of the character. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I knew the George Reeves show and, you know, certainly read my share of, of uh, 60s and, and, and uh, pre-Julie, uh, I guess, Mort Weisinger Superman comics as a kid. But this was the contemporary stuff that was coming out every month. And, um, you know, they really sucked me in with their characterization and their stories. And it was great. Uh, I'm happy to welcome Elliot back to talk about this era, specifically about Miracle Monday, because, again, they're re-releasing the book. But, uh, you know, we get a good sense of what it was like to pitch to Julie Schwartz as far as trying to pitch stories. Um, The uh, fortunate loopholes that Elliot uh, was able to negotiate when he came out with Miracle Monday. This was his second novel. His first novel was uh, Last Son of Krypton. There's a story behind that as well. And, by the way, I can't say it enough. These books are really meant for an adult audience. I mean, as, a, as an adolescent, I was able to enjoy them, but they hold up. And, uh, man, you know, it's a great look at uh, Superman when he was Superboy. And there's a lot of great old uh, Smallville scenes. And Jonathan Kent plays a very significant role in the early part of this book. And you just get this great descriptive bird's eye view of Metropolis and Smallville all the characters involved. Jimmy has some great moments. Lois certainly has a lot of great moments. Even Steve Lombard. It's uh, it's great, and it's just um, it reminds you of why these characters are so vital, and also how important I think a cast of characters are to support any lead. You know, whether you're talking about Jerry Seinfeld on a sitcom or uh, you're talking about Superman at the Daily Planet, all these characters matter. And uh, you know, Elliot's just one of these guys who always had a deft hand at writing great Superman stories. He. Marty and Carrie Bates truly are the, the triumvirate of uh, Bronze Age Superman writers whose work, I think, stands the test of time. So it's really great to have Elliot back and uh, talk about Miracle Monday being re-released and some other projects that he has on the horizon as well. Good hour chatting with Elliot Magan on today's Word Balloon. Today's Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, got some last uh, end-of-the-month uh, additions to the league that are uh, subscribing via Patreon. Can't thank you enough. Um, it, it really does help keep the show going, keep me going, uh, while I'm uh, trying to uh, make things happen in this tough economy. But uh, really, thank you very much. If uh, you have the interest in uh, supporting Word Balloon uh, through a subscription via Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Word Balloon or my front page, wordballoon.com, 
and uh, click on the uh, Patreon ad, and that will take you to my Patreon page as well. But uh, truly, thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. Shall we look up Elliot Magan at InStockTrades and see what pops up? Let's see what we can get here. There's some interesting stuff here. There's uh, there's things like, uh, well, the greatest Superman stories ever told. A great collection. Not only Elliot, but uh, John Byrne is in there. Ed Hamilton, the great sci-fi writer. Jerry Siegel, uh, William Woolfolk. Starenko is in here. John Byrne, Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe Schuster, Al Plastino, Kurt Swan, Murphy Anderson, certainly Starenko. Again, Byrne. Dick Giordano, Mike Mignola, Doug Monkey, Lee Bermejo. And also various covers by various uh, Superman uh, people. But uh, this book is 45% off. The greatest Superman stories ever told. It's $10.99. You can get, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Absolute Green Lantern, Green Arrow includes a uh, Elliot Magan story during the classic run. We, we get into that as well when we talk to Elliot. Uh, he gives us the full lowdown because Elliot was an exceptional Green Arrow uh, writer as well. And we talk a bit about his run. But uh, this book, the Absolute Edition, is 45% off. Um, you can get it at uh, $54.99, or if you're willing to take a damaged version, knock $5 off of that, just $50 at InStockTrades.com. Just a few of the books that are uh, available uh, at InStockTrades with uh, Elliot Magan's thing. He also uh, he contributed to this book of essays and interviews. Uh, it's called Plugged In, Comics IT Video Game Industry. And uh, this book was uh, put out by Two Morrows. And uh, this is an examination that includes interviews with Jimmy Palmiotti, Chris Pacciolo, Mike Deodato, Rick Remender, and um, also uh, Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas, and Elliot S. Magan. So that's kind of neat. I, you know, shame on me. I'm going to have to get uh, Elliot back and talk about uh, his days working at uh, Atari and uh, maybe Jerry Conway as well. But uh, you can uh, get the jump on me and pick up this great volume from tomorrow's. It's 20% off, just $13.56. So that's some of the Elliot Magan uh, stuff you can find at InStockTrades.com. And uh, don't take my word for it. Go yourself. You'll find great books at great prices. If your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping. And that's from our friends at InStockTrades.com. I want to point out also, go to uh, Magan.com. M-A-G-G-I-N, that's uh, Elliot's uh, website, and you will read a very nice uh, interview with Elliot with uh, Ramon Gill. In fact, as I say, it was Ramon Gill's uh, article that made me uh, think, too, like, man, you know, I should should see if I can get uh, Elliot on for Miracle Monday. So we talked a bit. Uh, As he said, he got a little busy uh, right around uh, the actual Superman holiday. But uh, we were able to get this uh, conversation in just this past Tuesday. So uh, now let's uh, speak with Elliot Magan about Miracle Monday and more, the days at DC's uh, Bronze Age, and uh, some things he's got uh, cooking for the future. Elliot Magan, now on Word Balloon. Elliot Magan, welcome back to Word Balloon. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you back, and I'm sorry we missed uh, the actual Miracle Monday, uh, which is the third Monday well, of, right. of every May, but uh, close enough. I was pretty busy that day. Were you really? Of course. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, you know, do you, do, do, you right. get, do you get persistent every year? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of us between Superman homepage and some of the other uh, online things to uh, get your attention on Miracle Monday. Yeah, I. You know, I get, I get like 300 or so, uh, like Happy Miracle Monday messages on uh, on Facebook. <laughs> um, it's been going up every year since you know 10 years ago or so. 
And uh, this year it wasn't as many because people were more likely to talk about the book being reissued. So. Indeed, and congratulations. I'm, I'm so oh, glad thank you. that it is coming yeah. back out. I have my Warner Brothers uh, or Warner Books paperback that uh, Do you? oh you know I had to I had to retrace it on Amazon and I was able to 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 find a used copy but I bought both Last Son of Krypton when it first came out we and we spoke about the books briefly more so about Last Son of Krypton I think last time I spoke to you yeah but yeah, um, yeah man no it was it was so great to dive back in it and uh, yeah man so tell so first of all why do you think in the last uh, you know about ten years or so ago people started getting more into Miracle Monday what what happened do you think oh because just because Facebook. Um, okay. <laughs> did just, you just, did you happen to say? More people hey, are. You know. Yeah, more people are noticing, and and there's all this cross pollination of stuff. You know, if somebody says to me "Happy Miracle Monday," or if I say it to the universe, um, people are going to pick up on it. So it's kind of cool. You know, honestly, um, before we get into the book and everything, I, I did want to ask about this, and you kind of opened it by talking about Facebook. What do you think of? The comic blogs. I mean, I, I know you grew up. If you didn't read fanzines, you were certainly aware of fanzines. Sure. You know, in, in you know when you were a kid writing for DC and stuff like that. But what do you think of like where the internet has kind of made all this stuff, including podcasting? Frankly, well, it, 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 I, I'm trying to think of the right word. It, it's kind of <laughs> compartmentalized everybody's um, interests. Yeah. Uh, you, you listen to your own news every day. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, that's the bad um, side. I completely agree. And yeah, that is unfortunate. And, so yes, and 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 you get the feeling that you know comics and fantasy and these characters are bigger than they are because there's all this cross pollination among people who read it and discuss it. And and frankly, I'd rather be discussed than than paid. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, You'd ra- you'd rather be discussed than paid, or the other way around? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I re- no, I really right. would. I mean, I I used to be in this uh, this uh, this reading group. Okay. A uh, bunch of rabbis and me, actually. Interesting. And, <laughs> yeah, and um, we 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 read all these obscure volumes. You know, I mean, we did I and Thou, but uh, there are all sorts of obscure books that uh, on philosophy that we went through in the course of a year or two. And uh, and I said to this one guy who was running the the discussion, I said, "Well, what what do you have to do for these books to, to be significant? Hardly anybody reads them." And he says, "Well, they have to be discussed. That's what we're doing." Yeah. So I want <laughs> I want people to gather in a room and talk about my books. That's what I want. Excellent. I mean, I had this fantasy when I was a kid of. Uh, all the secretaries that got on the train at uh, at uh, Jackson Heights, uh, you know, um, just all sitting down and they would read books and on the way under the river and uh, all these babes all wearing red somehow sitting across from me. And, and, and I had this fantasy that when I wrote a book, they'd be all reading my book and it never happened. Um <laughs> It was the wrong crowd, I think. You know, coming from sports radio, I can totally relate. Relate because I, I yeah, I really, sports, sports bar, and all these guys will tell me how great I am and stuff, and it's like you, know, you don't have a sister that listens to you. No, okay, never. No, no, no. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's I'm, true. Hey, man, I, I'm glad, and what a, what a testament, seriously, to both 
Last Son of Krypton and Miracle Monday that, you know, God, 30, 31 years later, we're still talking about this stuff. I think yeah. that's awesome. That's cool. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, man. I mean, it was they, the, the both of them were like throwaways. Um, you know, they never – I mean, to me it was significant because they were my first novels, but um, – they were movie tie-ins. They were, and they weren't even. The first one wasn't even supposed to come out with uh, with the first movie. Um, Mario's son was supposed to. Mario Puzo's son was supposed to write a an adaptation of the screenplay, and it never happened because Mario got pissed off with the Salkins. Um, so he just blocked a, a, a novelization of the screenplay from coming out because he had the rights to do it. Wow! And uh, yeah, holy cow! Yeah. And Last Son of Krypton was supposed to come out between the releases of the first two movies just to keep interest up a little bit. And uh, when uh, when they realized Mario wasn't going to allow the, the novelization to happen, they, they brought mine out with the movie. And they put a picture of Chris Reeve on the cover. I had a yeah. really cool picture from Neil Adams uh, of Superman flying at the point of view uh, that was supposed to be on that cover. And he used it for something else. Uh, so they could put Chris on the cover, and uh, people got disappointed when they'd start reading the book and realize it was a completely different story. But um, if they actually read it, they tended to like it. I don't think I met anybody who read that book for like eight or ten years after I wrote it. Oh, dude, honestly, I was you know twelve year old kid, and uh, yeah, and really, it was so great, and and you know such uh, uh, you know depth of character, and uh, and also in. The comic book continuity, despite it coming out to help promote the movie, with with yeah. photographs of the film and all that. Now, am yeah. I right? I read Ramon Gill's uh, interview with you on, on your website. Absolutely, I did. He let me know that he was talking to you, and he's yeah. like, "You should talk to him." And I'm like, "Well, I have talked to him, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk to Elliot again." So it was, yeah, his really him uh, telling me that he had done the interview. That I'm like, "Oh man, I got to get Elliot back on Word Balloon." And, and talk about yeah, this. Yeah, for heaven's sakes. And, and, oh, no, thanks. Hey, always a pleasure, Elliot. Anytime you have something new, please, please, you're always welcome back. Um, truly, yeah. and and yeah, because I am. I'm, I'm a huge fan. But really, the the depth of character. And I reading uh, Ramon's uh, interview with you. Uh, maybe I'd forgotten that Les Sebacrypton was started as kind of a movie treatment idea on your part first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote this memo to Carmine Infantino, right. uh, yeah, who's president of the company at the time. Um, like somewhere around 1974. Um, and I wrote, yeah, I was in journalism school at the time. I was going to graduate school and writing comics. Which school? And, uh, Columbia. Cool. Um, and, and I was writing, I, and I wrote him this long memo explaining why a time for heroes was coming back. It was in a, it was running in a cycle and it was time to think about doing a Superman movie. And, he said, yeah, good, good idea, kid, good idea. And he'd smoke a cigar. He had a cigar all the time. Great cigars. These enormous Churchills he used to smoke. And and uh, he'd like pat me on the head and say, this is terrific. And so I went off and wrote a screenplay, uh, not screenplay, but a, a treatment okay. for a story. And next thing I know, I come in one day and Alfred Bester is hanging out at the office. And I had known him. I had you know, hung out with him on the phone because I was in the habit of like calling people up. I admired and, and just hanging out with him. And he was, you know, he was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, I sat on the phone with him for an hour or two, just talking about stuff. Cause we knew a lot of people in common. Um, both being edited by Julie, right? Wasn't he Julie's? Uh, yeah. Wasn't Julie well, actually, his, his uh, agent yeah, or whatever. 
Yeah, Julie was his agent, and and uh, Bester got Julie his job uh, as an editor at DC. Wow, great! Because um, Bester was uh, he wrote Green huh? Lantern back in the day, and he wrote, yeah, the he wrote Green, Green Lantern, Lantern. the Oath. He wrote Green Lantern's Oath, yeah, and Brightest Day and Blackest Night. Unbelievable! And I got this big, I got this big Green Lantern um, uh, power battery in my living room, <laughs> and uh, and it lights up when I put the ring on it. It's cool, <laughs> so I. Every once in a while, if I'm in a if I'm in a bad mood, I'll just put on the ring and say the oath, and uh, and I don't tell a lot of people this, but you know, I figure your audience, it's cool. <laughs> we love it. What are you talking? Exactly, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. But the thing lights up. You know, you put the ring on. I, I, somebody gave it to me uh, about a, a year or two ago, and and I couldn't figure out how to get the light to come on. So and then just on on by chance, I put on the ring and made believe I was charging it and, and the light came on so was how was who's great. your favorite who's your favorite lantern oh how okay. yeah 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 I'm, I hear you. I'm an alan scott guy just because are you really when i you know something i in a in one of those hundred I page think... spectaculars of your era um i they reprinted the dr fate and our man story with uh, solomon yeah. grundy and at the end of from the 60s and from the end of it or at the end of it Alan Scott shows up and it's like, oh, it's Green Lantern. And I'm like, who the hell is this that they're calling Green Lantern? Because yeah. I grew up in the barbershops reading Hal Jordan stuff. I was born in 64. So, okay. So, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're a baby. I'm, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I, 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 love, <laughs> I, I love this costume. And I really, you know, it was before I, I knew about Earth 2. And I'm like, who yeah. the hell is this? So ever since then, there's just been this huge fas- fascination. And God, you know, I mean, honestly... So many of the modern Alan Scott stories were really, really great. James Robinson in that. I don't know if you read it. Uh, God, I'm now I'm forgetting. Yeah. It was the post-war GSA story where so many of them retired and they all come back because the government creates uh, a new hero that is so evil and, you know, right. the whole shot and everything. Great. And, and Alan Scott's just I didn't so see that. Well, anyway. Back yeah, to I, I, got in, I, I got to know Alan Scott just because uh, I wrote the, um, the Kingdom Come book. Right, the novel. And, yes, uh, the novel, which was fantastic. We talked about that. The novel, last time yeah, absolutely, man. Oh God, yeah. Well, anyway, so and I, I didn't know from Alan Scott before. I mean, I knew no who kidding. he was, but oh, yeah, I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah, you never, and you I never got to work you, with him a little bit. You yeah, never, you get to know these guys. I understand. <laughs> my God, yes. I clearly again. I, from, I tell people I've worked, I've worked closely with superheroes all my life. Um, they're kind of. Uh, uh, they're kind of textbook cases of arrested development and and a little bit obsessive, but uh, they're nice people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so yeah. So the movie treatment because you heard Bester and Puzo were already pitching, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So so Bester came up and and that fell through. He had a pretty good idea. I can't remember what it was, but he told me, which wasn't very bright, but you know he told me just because I was a big fanboy. And uh, and then a couple months later, Puzo was sitting in the library with Nelson Bridwell, just on the floor, going through old comic books. Um, and uh, so I decided I was outclassed. So I took the thing upstairs and said, "Let's do a book." And uh, and the editor up there, the senior editor, said, "Okay." That's amazing. That's yeah. Was it a two book deal, or because did they no. like the one first so much no, the, that they asked you to write another? Yeah, they like you know the they like the sales on the first one, but but still on the second one, um, you know the production values aren't weren't terrific. Um, 
the typeface was small and, and sentences were running together without periods at the ends of them. And it just, well, you know, it was clearly yeah. a throwaway in their minds. Interesting. Um, and it also sold well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they had nine publishing products. And they didn't even do a lot of licensing with big movies at that time. Um, but there were nine publishing products that came out with the first Superman movie, and mine was the only one that was profitable. Wow. All, so, like, all yeah. those books that are uh, solicited in the back of the paperback, those are the like kind right. of nine books you're talking about. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. The making of Superman, the movie. Yeah. Um, the Superman coloring book. I don't know what they, they had some um, some portfolio of photos from the uh, from the set. Yeah, I'm reaching for my here. I'm reaching um, for my uh, my paperback right now. Superman portfolio. Yes, uh, the official Superman quiz book, just a dollar right. Superman blueprints. <laughs> yeah. Now you would think, yep. and, I, and I've talked about this with Star Trek people. You know, God, and again, you remember the excitement over the Starship blueprints and stuff when those come yeah. came out in the '70s. So you would think that. But that was later. Yeah, yeah. Was it later? I thought it was kind of around the same time. Yeah, I right. think it was. Interesting. Maybe. Okay. Um, and yeah, um, Superman cutouts. But, you know, <laughs> Dioramas. they, they yeah. didn't approach these things as, as sales products, as, as, as profit centers. They approached them as things that would promote this other big project, which they did. Mm-hmm. But then to, when their bosses evaluated them, they evaluated on the basis of, of their sales. So mine was the only thing that, uh, that took off. Hence Miracle Monday. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, like, not only the characters, but... You've got these great sections, especially in Miracle Monday, because that's the one I've read most recently again. But you really feel like you, you get this great view of what Smallville was in the Bronze Age and Silver Age kind of continuity, which you came yeah. from, which was obviously contemporary at the time. But that's that's the thing. I mean, and the newsroom, and you really go into, like, everybody's hobbies. I mean, just, just like yeah. that kind of minutia that, I mean, you know, again, any fan of... You know, the again, in your book, the WGBS staff, but eventually, too, I think even in later reboots, they kept that yeah. core cast of characters as Daily Planet characters as well. Guys like yeah. Steve Lombard yeah. were grafted onto the Daily Planet and stuff. Um, you know, God, you know, you just do. It's just, you, you, as you said, you know these people. Yeah. That's excellent. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't talk about this stuff the way other writers do. I'm, I'm noticing. I mean... I talk about the nuts and bolts of putting a novel together, but you know when I hear people like Philip Roth or Saul Bellow talking about, or, you know, Margaret Atwood talking about the books they write, they're they're very mannered about this stuff. Um, you know, they only talk about what they mean to convey, rather than the nuts and bolts of this process. And I I, I think that's fascinating. I agree. It's a very complex process. It's like building a city. Um, it's emotionally draining writing a novel and I don't write anything like what Saul Bellow ever did. Um, you know, he had to be, I mean, you know, I, there are all these awful stories about novelists drinking their lives away. Yeah. Um, and I can understand why, um, it's just so emotionally taxing. What's, what, what's the last new novel that you wrote? I wrote a book called uh, Not My Closet, which uh, it's only available on uh, as a Kindle ebook at the moment, but I'm putting it out as a as a uh, paperback. 
and um, and I'm really having fun, you know, doing this publishing company. I, I want to write a book a year. That's great, man. Uh, yeah. What's not my closet about? Um, it's about people who don't wear spandex or fly. That's okay. Um, it's about a comic book writer, all grown up. It's about a geek who who grows up and has to be responsible. Um, he's married to this woman for 25 years who who decides to tell him one day that she's gay. Wow. And, and that you have to go about raising the kids at that point. Um, it's a good story. Cool. That's great, man. I, uh, yeah. So, so again, it's, is Miracle Monday the beginning of your physical publishing company? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Great. And well, it, I did... I, I did not my closet a year ago, but I realized um, it's a lot more fun to put together an actual paperback. I, I, I've been saying to people what publishing companies sell is paper. They don't sell ideas. They don't, you know, it's like newspapers. Um, e-books don't get promoted in the New York Times bestseller list, no matter how well they sell. Nobody knows. Fair enough. Because yes. the Times has a has a has a stake in selling paper. Um, but putting together a paper product is fun. Um, you know, I got an artist friend to paint the cover. We argued and screamed and yelled at each other about it. My kids thought we were going to stop being friends. Um, I'm going to his house to watch Flash tonight. So excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you behind? Have you not seen the the season? No, I've I've seen it. We just we just get together every Tuesday night and eat pizza and. All right. Well, there's a drink an, wine. There's an excuse, obviously. Uh, so, do you like all the all the CW shows? What do you think, of Arrow? Not all of them. I, I got Arrow because you're such a you're such an Ollie guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I don't think that's quite Ollie as I know him. Um, he's not self-important enough. He's not driven enough. Interesting. Yeah. I think they're they were trying to do Batman. Clearly, they really wanted to make him Batman. Yes, definitely. Um, and and kind of you know the guys who wrote the Green Arrow series in the fifties and sixties tried to make him Batman too. They gave him the Arrow car and the Arrow cave and sure. all these gadgets in his quiver instead of his belt. Um, and then when Denny and Bob Haney took it over, they figured out a real personality for him. Absolutely, that's what turned me on about the character. Man, and you so you ran with that, yeah. which was so great. Go on, please. But yeah, no, they they. I don't think they've quite got it. I mean, it's a nice cast of supporting characters, but you know they made up for the TV show, and that's nice. And yeah. they they had him run for mayor. That was <laughs> that was that was something I came up with in the in the seventies, and and uh, for a long time I was still I was just waiting for a check or a phone call or something, anything. But they. Uh, you're I got kidding. a letter acknowledged. Oh, yes. dude, that's not right. Because honestly, well, I no, mean, no, no. It, you're not you're not the first person to say that. And I do think that there, once you make noise, that they're like, all right, sorry, here, sorry, you're right. Oh, here I am making noise, but that's all right. Good. Yeah. No, man. Hey, that's. Um, but you should. I mean, no, they 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 sent me a nice note. Um, <laughs> it was okay. Are you sure? It was okay. okay. I don't hear from these guys a lot, so you know, to hear from them is just peachy. Well, but yeah, I, I had forgotten about your your Ollie Vermeer. That was in like those dollar comics or the anthology books that uh, right or no, was it, it was in the proper that. Green, it Arrow, was, Green Arrow book? It was a it was a twenty five cent Green Lantern Green Arrow story. Shaman. It was my first. Yeah, it was your um, first one. It was your first. It was my first comic sale. 
Um, Ali running for mayor was your first Julie. comic show. Yeah. Wow. I had forgotten. That was uh, 71, 70 or 70. I wrote it in 70. I guess it came out in 71. Wow. Um, but I was a kid. I was a college kid. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, how- I had written a few stories before that, you know, like real stories with words one after the other. <laughs> um, Short stories or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And published a couple, but, but this was my, this was a break. I mean, you know, I, I just sent it to Carmine because I got a B plus. I, I wrote it as a term paper. So I got a B plus on it and didn't think that was a good enough grade. So I sent it to Carmine and he gave it to Julie and Julie gave it to Neil and Neil read it and said, if you, if you buy this, I'll draw it. And so Julie said, okay, I'll buy it. Man. And he sent me this effusive letter. Um, so Julie and I got to be friends for the rest of his life, you know, pretty much. That's Except for the fact that we spent most of our time together yelling at each other. Well, was, that sounds uh, common, okay. too. I, I, I did interview uh, Denny uh, a few years back, and he kind of had a, a similar experience. And uh, Marty Pasco has become a, an acquaintance, and he, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's told me things, too. Please, go on, Julie. What? No, Julie was a, a brilliant guy. I mean, he was just so damn smart. Um, he'd read everything. He'd figured everything out. He, you know, but he was, he was this, he was this gold-plated geek. Um, you know, I, I, I'd say something about, I invited him over to the house for Passover one year. And, uh, he says, oh, guess what? You want to see something? And he pulls out this watch out of his cabinet, uh, this, you know, wristwatch. And it had Hebrew letters on it. And he said, I was the smartest kid in Hebrew school in 1938 or 30. No, it was 1920. No, he was born in 1915. It would be 1928. He was in Hebrew school. Okay. Um, he said, the governor's wife came and gave me this, uh, this watch. And he says, who was the governor's wife in 1927? And I said, oh, holy crap. It was Eleanor Roosevelt, wasn't it? So Eleanor Roosevelt gave him this watch. Wow. Man, um, I was going to guess LaGuardia. I totally forgot about FDR. No. Absolutely, of course. No, he was the mayor. Oh, that's right. Well, LaGuardia was the mayor. Shame on me. I'm yeah. a Chicago the governor guy. governor of New York was, <laughs> yeah, FDR. And, you know. Wow. Eleanor Roosevelt wasn't even Eleanor Roosevelt yet then. Sure. <laughs> she was just this lady with a funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Now, were you able to get your stories? Because I had always heard... That, you know, Marty would come in and say, all right, I want uh, Superman fighting the parasite and, you know, it's going to involve Johnny Nevada and whatever. And Julie would be, no, 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 it's going to be uh, Terra Man and, uh, yeah. you know, it's something with Bill Henderson and blah, blah, blah. So would- Well, what I used to do with Julie, I, I, I would at the beginning, I would come in with these elaborate plots worked out. And then um, when I realized we were going to do most of the work when we were just sitting there screaming at each other. Um, I just came out up with these general outlines of an idea. I said, let's do a story with Mel Brooks. And he'd say, what kind of story is that? And I'd say, well, here, he's got this guy and he builds these robots and I don't know. Um, so we'd work out a story and for 15 years, I don't think I took a single note. I never went in with a, a notepad or anything and, and we would just work them all out. And then I would go home and write vaguely what we had discussed and by the time i did that he would have forgotten you know this is like three days later i'd come back with the script and he'd he'd say 
Um, oh, this is good. You know, <laughs> it, it, he he had me rewrite a lot of stuff. Okay. But um, mostly because he remembered our conversation or pieces of it. All right. But uh, but nobody took notes. Nobody wrote anything down until I wrote the script. <laughs> now. How how many uh, you know you mentioned Neil obviously drawing your first story which is you know the boy yeah. that doesn't suck um, yeah that doesn't suck you know so did you have chances to meet Kurt Swan or some of the other artists that oh sure okay yeah what was Kurt Swan like? um, Kurt Swan was a was a prince um, and and I spent fifteen years trying to get him to like me he he thought I was this um, upstart this young whippersnapper <laughs> he talked funny. Um, he, 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 he'd read a scene description I wrote and he'd call up Julie and say, I want to throttle that kid. <laughs> he'd use the word throttle in a sentence. And, you know, we worked together for 15 years and Julie would make sure I wasn't around if Kurt was coming up. He'd like send me off to do something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I really liked him. I liked Kurt. And that we were at this convention in 1985 or 86. I guess we were toward the end of our collaboration in any sense. But we went up to Ithaca, and uh, there's this little convention at Ithaca College. And uh, at some point, we're in this hotel. On Sunday morning, Kurt's like wandering around, and he says, Young man, can I offer you a libation? He He really talked funny. <laughs> But that's what he said. Um, I said, sure. It's like 11 o'clock. So we go in the restaurant, and there's this girl in the middle of the room playing a harp. Beautiful girl, beautiful harp. And when do you ever hear harp music? I, I guess she was an Ithaca College student. Because you know what you say to Ithaca College students when you meet them? What instrument do you play? You know, whatever. So, so this was a harp. Player, okay. and she was in the middle of the of the of the uh, of the dining room playing a harp for hours, and and we were sitting there for hours. We had breakfast, and and I would drink vodka, and he would drink gin, and we would just keep doing this. Um, and we talked about politics and Superman and Julie and everything we had in common, and uh, we had a great time. So that was when Kurt decided he liked me too. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad it ended well. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Jeez. You know, his obviously growing up with his Superman as I did and everything, super, yeah. and, and also my age, I always Superman always struck me as a 40 year old kind of father figure at that point. Yeah. In the 70s, is that how that's you the saw way him? Kurt drew him? Yeah, and that is the way yeah. Kurt drew him. So is that how you saw him as well? It is, and and Julie always told me to write him to about the age of 29 and I had trouble doing that. I mean, I, I, I could identify with all these other characters. Um, but I couldn't identify with Superman. He was always a father figure. I wouldn't, I I'd identify him with him the way I identified with my father, but, um, he was always the great eminence. Um, the guy I identified with in the Superman comics was Luther. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? Well, I just, I liked him. Um, he was the hero of his own story, you know? Yes. He's one of these guys that just didn't get the fact that he was a bad guy. He went about being a bad guy because it's the only thing he could do better than Superman. Interesting. 
Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because I loved your yeah. your uh, and I've talked about this before with you in Last Son of Krypton, especially the, the whole we've known each other since we were boys really came through in that book. And there is yeah. that regret, I think, on Superman's side of God. This used to be my friend, and and even Luther knew he knew how to push his buttons, though in a personal yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a I wrote a story, which I'm gonna try and compile in a in a book of stories. But it was called um, Luther's Gift, and uh, it was a it was for a an anthology, and they turned it down. Um, I don't know why. It was a long story. I had just left DC as an editor, and they just decided they needed to say no to somebody, so they said no to me. Yes. But uh, it's a terrific story, and it's 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 sitting online somewhere. But but I'm going to put it in a book of short stories at some point. Um, Clark um, says something. Luther meets Lois for the first time, and he's smitten. And Clark is there. They're covering Lex's event of some sort. Um, and and. Uh, they just they hadn't seen each other for maybe ten years, and they just start snapping at each other as though they've both known each other forever, which they have. But you know, everybody's asking Mr. Luther questions, and Clark is calling him Lex, and Lois just doesn't get that. They don't. She doesn't get the connection. That's excellent. But uh, yeah, that's great, man. That's like that's like Doctor Doom and Ben Grimm. And I was just talking to uh, Brian Bendis about that, where they're still in college. And Ben is still the big man on campus quarterback, and yeah. Doom is that yeah. creepy, weird science nerd. And it's re- literally like, fuck you, Vic. I've known you forever, and you're still the douche that I knew on campus. Right. And Dr. Doom right. feels exactly the same way, and they don't, the powers mean nothing. And I love yeah. that. That's great, man. That's cutting right to the core. And I really felt like Smallville, the show, tapped into that as you know, in, in a different way. And, yeah. But it still worked. And you really did get that regret of the friendship. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah, cool. and you saw it, you saw it devolve, you saw it fall apart. Yes, over the course of, you know, what was it, <laughs> two hundred episodes they did? Yeah, ten years, yeah, oh, ten man. years, jeez, I know. <laughs> and um, Kristen Wells, I loved that show. Oh yeah, please, got to tell you, talk about it. Yeah, tell me. Um, the, the we saw the pilot. My son and I watched the pilot, and he was like, "Geez, he must have been about eleven or twelve at the time." And uh, he's a very bright kid. He's a doctor now. Okay. But um, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we watched the pilot, and I'm just, you know, googling everything. And the end of the show, he said, "Gee, they understand archetypes." I said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "They understand archetypes. They understand uh, mythology." I said, "I didn't know you did." <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I did. I, I, you don't know what they pick up, Hell but yeah, he picked up awesome. a lot of stuff. Yeah, my God, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the two of us watched it for ten years, <laughs> mostly together. What'd you think of their Green Arrow? Um, I liked him better. Yeah, I, I did liked too. him a lot. I, I like too. I like the fact that he was still uh, a billionaire. Um, Denny, Denny got rid of the money. Yes. I, I don't know whether Denny or Bob got rid of the money. I, one of them did, mm-hmm. but Denny couldn't couldn't um, relate to somebody so rich. 
That's what he said. And eventually, Denny got very wealthy. <laughs> I don't know how. He just managed to make a lot of money. Oh, we got, we got, we got vacuum cleaners coming. Let me know if we're... Uh, okay, if this does, is, I can't uh, hear him right now, so keep going. You're doing fine. Okay, good, good. Um, <laughs> I like the fact that he was a billionaire and that he had the money to play with and, and, and that this was... I would have liked to see Denny's Green Arrow remain rich and see how he related to the money, you know, how he resented his own money, that sort of thing. Sure. I would have liked that. But Denny just wanted to get rid of it. Well, Which is fine. Yeah, and you I, know. you know, again, playing into the whole, uh, on, relating to the common man in a way that Hal wasn't in their hard-driving heroes stories and everything. So, yeah. so was your Green Arrow story... Like right after their run, or was there a gap in between? No, it was in the middle of it. It was in the middle of it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. They were doing they were doing book length stories, and and I wrote a twenty page story for this term paper, mm-hmm. and and Julie liked it, and he said shorten it to thirteen pages, and he made Denny write a thirteen page story, so we shared the book just that one month. Wow. And then they continued writing the series. Interesting, uh, but that was the beginning of my little run. And then, and then you came on, and weren't you? When were you writing the book? It was it you did the. When, I wasn't when they, writing the book. I was writing the the Green Arrow backup series. The, okay, that's what I thought. Uh-huh. Okay, and and that was yeah, it was in, a backup in action. In action. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yes, man. It, that started after uh, the Green Lantern book got canceled, which it should never have been. Yeah. Um, but they never got accurate sales figures on it. They didn't realize how much money they were getting cheated out of. <laughs> they really never kept track of things very well. And you're talking about when they would uh, tear off the the cover. Yeah, tear off the cover and then sell it the next week for 15 cents. Right. And that's or what, for five cents. That's why all those comics, I just bought out of a, a thrift shop some coverless, yeah. you know, 70s comics and stuff. And yeah, that's the yeah. thing. You know, they'd bag them and like you said, you'd get like three for a quarter or something like that. Um, yeah, you know, or cheaper. I don't even remember. You know, that's when I started buying them and stuff. And yeah, it was like these uh, illegal resells that they were kind of doing under the table and stuff. Crazy. Yeah, and everybody knew about it, and everybody uh, there was no way to to uh, there was no way to police it. Um, yeah, it was basically theft. Wow. And when I realized that was what was going on, I stopped buying them. <laughs> <laughs> right, you stopped buying the coverless comics like that. I understand. You. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I didn't learn about it until I was growing up. Neil actually, uh, I, I think my first interview with Neil Adams, he was he was the one to tell me about that whole scam. Yeah. Crazy man. Um, well, Miracle Monday. Back to Miracle Monday because Kristen Wells. Sure. Um, so her becoming Superwoman was that was that you? Did you write that stuff too? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. At some point, Julie. Um, wanted me to to do a Superwoman story. That was the idea. And he said, uh, we, we, we just want to have a Superwoman. We don't want Marvel or somebody else able to write a super Superwoman character um, that isn't associated with DC. I said, great. I'll make her my character, so I own her. <laughs> and he says, you don't own Superwoman. You got Kristen Wells. That's yours. But Superwoman is ours. Um, so... So that's what that's what happened. I there. got you, and I, but I I really like Kristen. Me too, man. She's she's like a, a geek over twentieth century. She's a twentieth century nerd. Yeah, that's her thing. Yeah, she's fascinated yeah. by the whole the whole of the twentieth century, and 
you know, knows that pretty much every decade and, you know, might, might be yeah. one or two wrong on a hundred question uh, quiz or something like that. But, and, and I love that she kind of puts herself in, you know, when she's studying the secrets of Miracle Monday, puts herself as Lois's assistant right there. Puts in her into the time. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen makes herself Lois's assistant. She needs a way to make a living. The whole, the whole premise is that whenever anybody gets tenure, Part of the deal in the 29th century is they get to go back to Miracle Monday because everybody likes to, you know, go on vacation in, in time. So the rationale <laughs> is if you're a history department chief or a big muck, mucky muck, uh, part of the deal is you get to go back to Miracle Monday. And so on Miracle Monday, all the hotels were full of all these people from the future. You couldn't get a hotel room in Metropolis. <laughs> And Kristen's idea was, you know, everybody came back without a story. Nobody could figure out what it was because everybody's memory got wiped. So Kristen decided she's going to go back to a year beforehand. And she's a graduate student. And this was a good idea as far as people were concerned. So they let her do it. She got a grant to do it. But uh, uh, but she had to get a job. So she got a job typing for Lois. Uh, she typed up Lois's book. That's awesome. So that's how she got in with the crowd, with the gang. That's and, that's great. And, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And I don't I don't suppose the trick would have worked from her point of view. You know, the trick of going back to an earlier point in history, um, if she hadn't been embroiled in 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 the events of the holiday itself, it wouldn't have worked. But but it worked because because she got swept up in the whole thing. Oh, you got to be there. Well, and that's what we want people to do. We want people to pick up uh, Miracle Monday. Is it, that's what I think. Is it out already, or is it, it is? Okay, great. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's out. You can get it on my website. You can get it on Amazon. Um, and I'm I'm doing a special edition uh, for San Diego Comic Con. Oh, that's great! Um, I hope to see you there. Yeah. I'll be there. Oh, good, good. Um. Yeah, Ken did this cover that I have, and we got into the, this big argument over um, whether I was going to use his original painting, and I didn't want to because he changed the character a little. And I said, well, this is established, and that's established, and I don't want this thing, this element of the, of the picture. But um, I took a piece of his painting and made it into the cover. Um, and what I'm doing for the San Diego convention is taking the whole painting the original, the way he first painted it, which is a little inconsistent with the book, but I don't care because it's a good painting. Uh, and make that the cover, and I put a different, uh, some different text on the on the back, and a picture of me sitting at a, at a on a panel at the convention, awesome. uh, instead of the picture that's on the uh, on the back of the book now. And you know, I'll just sell it for whatever I was selling it for online, but I'll find it. That's great. And I meant to call. I meant to call like Fanographics or Cap Cities or somebody today uh, to see if I could work out uh, distribution, having a, doing a signing at their at their uh, at their booth. But I meant to do that today, and I didn't. So oh. I'll do it tomorrow. So, and, and and is the book coming out from your imprint or Fanographics, or how's that how's that working? No, it's coming out. Um, my imprint is Caveat Corner. Okay. And. Uh, and I did it through Amazon and CreateSpace. It's it's essentially print on demand, but it's gotten very practical. 
Um, you can do print-on-demand for a reasonable amount of money. My my brother-in-law did a print-on-demand book about 10 years ago. It was a, a book of his photos, and it was a very thin book, and, you know, he had to sell it for like $55 or something. Uh, so this is the regular price of a regular book, a regular trade size paperback. It's you know twelve ninety nine. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's reasonable. What are you talking about? Absolutely, man. That's that's yeah, that's fine. You couldn't do that ten years ago, so now you can. Uh, that's that's amazing. And you know, um, I've talked to Chuck Dixon about his eBooks, and yeah. you know he's really gotten into it. Uh, yeah. And and created new characters and some new running themes and things like that. So, um, well, as you say, you're is, not my closet. Is that what the new one is? Called? Yeah, you know, not it, my closet, and I'm I'm putting together a, a print version of it. Excellent, and um, I try to get it out by the convention time. That's cool. Do you have other? I mean, like you said, you want to do a book a year and everything. Do you want to? Yeah, so that's great because you know that I really feel like um, I'm glad to hear that because honestly, I think a lot of the creative path now in comics is. Work for one of the big two, create your name, and then you know go to Image and and keep making you know your own creator own books and stuff and taking that right. audience you built with you, uh, and you know yeah I, I'm I'm so happy for so many creators that, that have been able to do that, and I'm always well, interested you know, if, you know guys guys like you or Marty and stuff if you're thinking along the same lines. Yeah, you know AJ Liebling, the journalist. Of course, a big hey, huge boxing fan. I have Sweet Science. Oh and, really? Oh. I wrote for Ring for uh, for a couple of years and right. covered boxing for uh, Sporting News Radio and uh, a couple of the, the Chicago radio stations here. So yeah, oh, long good. Liebling said fan. once. Go ahead, please. Liebling said, um, the "Power of the press is guaranteed only to those who own one." Is what he said, and uh, I realized we all own one now. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is. No HTML, and you don't really even have to do that. You can hire somebody, but um, yeah, we all we are all a publishing company. So I incorporated, and That's I made up a name, and I'm going to try to come out with a book a, a book a year now, and maybe some other stuff. My daughter uh, is writing a book on nutrition, so I told her, let's publish it. <laughs> let's That's publish great. it ourselves. That's great. Um, yeah. So yeah. are you going to – Yes. are you also going to – would you be interested in doing, uh, you know, books based on Marvel or DC characters? I know Marvel is doing a lot of yeah, novels no. these days, and also I know DC is actually doing a fair share as well. Yeah, they are. Um, I hadn't even thought of that. I just thought about, you know, starting with my books and my friends' books and if they were inclined to do that, but – um, yeah, if DC wanted to do something with me or Marvel, I think that would be profitable for everybody. I agree with you. You know, I read, I think we talked you know. about this last time. Hear that, Larry? Never mind. At damn straight. <laughs> damn, absolutely, man. I don't even know which Larry you're talking about. I, I was, oh, you don't, you, you don't know him. He's a good kid, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a I, vice president. I, uh, well, that's okay. Uh, I, I was going to say, I remember when Carrie Bates a few years ago wrote an amazing, uh, Superman miniseries that maybe was supposed to be a graphic novel, and they ended up chopping it up and making it a oh the 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 uh, imagination about Jor-El and Lara coming to Earth. Yes, yeah, that was cool stuff. Absolutely, he was all excited about it. That does not surprise you know. Honestly, I, I you guys were uh, you the three of you really uh, you you Carrie and Marty. I, I grew up reading your guys Superman, and it was it was always amazing because. 
you know, it, it just it had everything. And I and I really, you know, I, I think the quiet moments at the planet or GBS and you know, Steve yeah. trying to pull a joke on Clark and Clark able to, you know, screw him up and screw up his joke and uh all that. Clark Kent forever, Superman never and you know, that whole period yeah. and everything, man. That was that was just those were great stories. Did can I ask about your uh your JLA JSA? Did, uh, sure. did you just do the one, or did you did you did no? You we did. I did. I did a few of them. Yeah, that's what um, I thought. Yeah, mostly Lynn was writing them then, but but a couple of years, Carrie and I did the the annuals. The you know the annual trip to Earth one or Earth two or, right, or Earth, Earth Prime. whatever. Yeah, and Earth Prime yeah. where uh, where Carrie's. well we had Earth Prime. That's where we were from. So <laughs> yeah. carries the carries the super villain, and you're uh, you're working with the league and. Uh, at yeah. one point, you and Green Arrow break out into the same dialogue at the same moment, right. which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He he sure talked funny, didn't he? <laughs> well, I'm sure you couldn't swear in, in the comic the way No, I couldn't that's swear in the a, comic. That, but... That's just a presumption on my part now, looking yeah. back. But, uh, yeah. you know, and of course, you know, yeah, Julie Schwartz having the cosmic treadmill in his closet. Yeah. <laughs> Nelson was very excited about that. <laughs> Nelson wanted to borrow the cosmic treadmill and go do research, but uh, we didn't let him. We, we didn't think he'd survive. <laughs> now, do you? And I'm and I'm always interested because guys, you know, slightly older than me, I'm always I'm I'm interested how how long you guys might still be reading comics and stuff. Do you read any comics today? Does it interest you? No, or? only if somebody puts them in front of me. Okay. Um, you know, a friend does something he's particularly proud of. I've been reading uh, Len Swamp Thing stuff. Great. Wind Swamp Thing, um, but mostly I don't I don't read them. I mean, yeah, not because I don't want to. It's just I got too much to read. <laughs> I can appreciate that too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm reading Yuval Harari's book now, uh, uh, Homo Deus. Great book. What's that about? It's about well, his premise is that in the course of the twentieth twenty first century, humans are going to evolve into something new. And he's calling it Homo Deus, where we control our environment, control, we can travel through space. Um, you know, and his point, one of the points he makes is, is there's no such thing as starvation anymore unless it's politically induced. You really, you have all these famines that uh, are being imposed on people by uh, dictators and, and tyrants and people making war, but but you don't really have a shortage of food anywhere in the world. And that's never happened before. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I worry about the freshwater problem. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, it's, it's already a problem. Exactly, but, yeah. But we can deal with it. We can deal with it through technology. We can even deal with the climate change through technology, but uh, but we haven't gotten our act together to do it yet. No. I was talking it, to an engineer yesterday. Um, who who's convinced that the Earth has a consciousness? This is a a very down the middle conservative kind of uh, scientific guy. Okay, and he's convinced Earth has a consciousness, and that the purpose of humanity is um, to drive the process of Earth taking over the solar system. <laughs> you know, if if we had an asteroid heading to Earth, we could avert it. We could we could send it somewhere else. He says we haven't put together the technology. We put together the technology to do. It. We haven't put together uh, the process to do stuff like that yet. But but 
it's out there. Meaning, meaning us physically getting behind it yeah. and, and working together is that kind of thing. Is, yeah, is we process? have the capacity. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm aware, and I know we talked about this before. Your your wonderful article that you did a couple of years ago, where you compared Al Gore to Jor El. Oh, you remember that? Absolutely, you're man. the one. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know, I know, and I and I share where your politics are. I believe, and I, yeah. you know, I, I. God, can you imagine having you know? I mean, the, uh, as much as you say, we have the technology to do stuff. It's it's incredibly frustrating when we take several steps backward with a, with yeah. an administration. Yeah. Yes. And well, I, I mean, there there was a time when uh, the norm was um, primogenitor. You know, the, the the first son would run the country when the father died, and and all it took was one lousy king to set the country's economy and technology back 200 years. Um, you know, and the whole idea of democracy is that we no longer will do that, or at least we hope we don't do that. And, I don't know. Something weird going on. I hear you, man. And, I and God, I was only 13 when Watergate was happening. I can only imagine somebody a, a bit older and, and, you know. Yeah, I was in journalism school. There you it was go. a kick. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was at the journalism school that gave out the Pulitzer Prizes. This is true. I really got pissed at them. They they gave the they gave the uh, Pulitzer that year for well for news coverage to the Washington Post, which made sense. But I thought they should have given it to Woodward and Bernstein. But the guys running the committee they said, "Well, these guys are just too young. We don't want to give it to them." Wow. So they gave it to the newspaper, which you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, they're, they they they've uh, you know, for you know, forty years later and stuff. They're forty five years later. They've certainly. Carved out great careers for themselves, and, and yeah. certainly, yeah, thankfully, they are around now to to yeah. kind of again call. I don't, I don't know who's listening because it it seems like uh, I I think if Fox News were around during the Watergate era, I kind of fear that Nixon would have likely gotten off. Maybe I don't know. Again, maybe but, that's naivete on my part and not really understanding the level because it just doesn't seem there are enough people that will put you know, country over party and say, this, no, this, this has to stop. But, but we'll yeah. see, I guess we still early. Yeah. Yeah. But John Dean at the time was younger than Jared Kushner is now. Interesting. And yeah, that is interesting. And had more responsibility. And, and had more, and, yeah. And had more initiative and yeah. more morality and. Well, Yeah. Well, they're different yeah, people. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, I. Uh, yeah, but they, they're they're internalizing Kushner. They're 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 referring to him as Jared on the news. Jared did this, and Jared said that, and and you know that that makes him the kid in the administration. You know, you you, you get off. <laughs> God, I hope that. that, and I know what you mean, and yeah, that they're almost forgiving because of the way that they're portraying him. Yeah. I, I, well, we'll right. see. I don't know. I, you know, again, it's early, but, uh, well, I'm, um, I, you know, I guess, do you have like to put out Miracle Monday again? And, and are you also putting out last Sunday Krypton as well? I don't know. Um, I'm splitting the take, whatever I make on Miracle Monday, I'm splitting with DC. Okay. And if they're happy about it, I'm, I'm hoping, because I I don't have the rights to, to yeah. republish a lesson of Krypton, but I do have the rights on Miracle Monday because it's something I put into the contract 40 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and they let me because 
it was 40 years ago and and uh <laughs> they didn't know any better interesting um, sure um but uh, i put in the that i had the right to republish it if it was out of print for 5 years um because i was very help- hopeful and they were very let's get the book out and go do something else right um but but i didn't get that with the last one okay and uh if Miracle Monday does really, really well, maybe I'll be able to put out Last on a Krypton with uh, with DC's permission. Well, I certainly hope so because again, they're 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 two amazing books, and um, you deserve the attention. And I and I would love to see Thank this you. kind of spill into uh, you getting the opportunity to do more and and both your own ideas and well, whatever creatively you want to do, man. You're hell of a I might be ignoring, I might be imagining things, but I feel like I'm getting attention. Okay. I mean, I don't, you know, good. I, I, it feels good. Um, you know, they, Mark Evanier calls me up one, one day last year. He says, I want to give you the uh, – the committee decided we're giving you the Bill Finger Award this year. I said, well, that's for somebody who's, who, who doesn't have sufficient recognition. I get plenty of recognition. He says, well, we think you should have more. But it occurred to me um, I should do something with it. So what I did was I gave a speech that said uh, – where I said uh, – um, I am now on a mission. We're getting rid of work for hire. To whatever extent they still use work for hire as a means for the um, for the publishing companies and their owners to to own the rights to stuff pe- creative people create, uh, we're going to get rid of that. So that's what I'm working toward. I would like to get rid of all work for hire as it applies to uh, to comics because it doesn't apply to comics if you look at the statute. But that's another thing altogether. So that's my current mission. I want to I want to upend and overthrow the work for hire doctrine retroactively. Do you see? Do you, and I and I are you paying attention in terms of like Image and 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 some of these other publishers and stuff that are currently active yeah. and stuff like that? Okay, because it almost seems to me that they you know again during during your uh, early years and stuff writing those were the the the, the top of the mountain was getting Marvel or DC. Yeah. And now it almost seems like that's Act One or the the end of Act One, and yeah. now Act Two is doing you know yeah that's the farm team now yeah literally I call it college exactly same thing yeah it's like comic book college they they give yeah. you the the means to learn and and learn with an editor and 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 correct your work as you're kind of learning your way and stuff like that and then you can walk away and and. Grab one of your favorite collaborators and say, "Hey, let's make something new." I mean, Brew Baker did that with uh, Sean Phillips and uh, yep. Steve Epting and, and several artists, and I, a lot of my uh, you know current uh, friends like Kelly Sue DeConnick took Val- Valentine Delandro, a great Marvel artist, and said, "Hey, let's create Bitch Planet," and you know, boom, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of great, and certainly you know Kirkman with uh, Charlie Allard and everything with Walking Dead, you know. So it's a, it's a good time, and I yeah I, I hope you guys I hope your mission yeah, I mean, you know, I, continues. <laughs> I, I told a few of my friends years ago. I, the, the seven guys that started Image they're all about ten years younger than me. Okay, and um, it occurred to me that if I had if I had realized the kind of pull we had, I could have done that with a few guys. <laughs> you know, Simonson and Shaken and Gary and. You know, just get the gang together, sure. Len, Ween, uh, Marv. Um, if we'd all gotten together and bolted, we could have done that. Uh, and we had the 
the market visibility at the time. Yes. Uh, but uh, we didn't know it. Um, they they didn't want us to know it, and we didn't know it. Um, but these guys, you know, um, they they realized it, and they 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 took the jump. And a few of them, you know, got in trouble, but they got out of trouble, so that was fine. Yes, that's what you do if you got an initiative. Well, exactly. So I'm trying to take some initiative of my own now. We'll see. <laughs> That's excellent, man. Honestly, I'm really glad you're doing this. And uh, yeah. happy to point people to uh, Amazon and uh, other uh, book outlets and certainly uh, Magan.com uh, to, yeah. to to purchase uh, uh, Miracle Monday and then also uh, Not My Closet and uh, and whatever is coming up, man. So, God. Hey, can you? Yeah, please. Can you hold a second? By all means. Do your um, edit this out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Just don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hi, you still there? Yes, I am. I think, oh, good. Uh, we can ra- we can wrap up if you got to get going. Yeah, well, that's a, that's all right. Okay, I'm just going to go to Ken's house. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, man. Watch the flash. Um, no, I, uh, I, I well, I wanted to ask you. We we started talking about it and then got off on uh, creator own stuff. When you were writing JLA and uh, JSA uh, crossovers and stuff, I mean, did you, you you know what the deal is nowadays? Certainly with uh, comic book big events. I mean, you participated as an adjunct writer with crisis on infinite earths i know it was marv's story yeah but you yeah did, and i didn't yeah you did i didn't really know that i mean i i just you know i, I did stories that tied in here with what they had in mind but i didn't know they were going to put crisis headers on the books and that sort of thing okay um but you know it worked out okay. Did you? They made a piss load of money. <laughs> <laughs> when you had to write those uh, JLA JSA crossovers, yeah. was it was there a different mindset? Because okay, this is the big event, or you know, no, okay. no, okay. we just made it up as we went along. Okay. <laughs> um, no, the, the the notion of doing the big event, you know, was the product of an annual editorial board meeting, and and uh, you know, was an edit when I was an editor up there, we came up with this. A couple other things that we did, but um, no, it wasn't. You know, when I was an editor, I said to Julie, I used to have lunch with Julie mm-hmm. once a week, and um, I couldn't sell a damn thing. I mean, I couldn't get the gang to go along with anything, any development project they came up with. So I was really frustrated. And I said to Julie one day, I said, how did you manage to get all those new books out when you were an editor? And he said, well, and he'd, he'd explain the process like it's a process. He'd say, well, I'd go down to the production office and I'd say, I want to bring out Green Lantern number one in, in uh, March. And uh, I'd call up an artist and I'd call up a writer and they would write the, the story and, and draw it. And I would deliver the book the way I told them I would. I said, wait a minute. This is the process. You're an editor. You're just putting out a new book. He says, yeah, that's how you do it. I said, well, you know, we have to do now. We have to submit a proposal and we have to do flip-flops and we have to jump through hoops. Um, 
I was there for a couple of years as an editor, supposedly developing new new projects, and I don't think a single one came out with DC. I was going to ask, really? So, oh, yeah. were you able to take other things to other publishers? I wasn't, but <laughs> writers I worked with did. I mean, you know Sarah Byam, right? I know the name. Go on. Okay, she did a a, a series called Billy Ninety Nine, and we we developed that. She and I. Okay. Um, and she wrote a script, and I said, "Okay, don't end it that way. End it this way." And I did what editors do. Um, and I I dropped it on Jeanette and Dick and Paul and whoever else had a pass on it, and they said, "Nah, I don't think so. We're not going to do it." <laughs> Um, so, uh, Sarah took it over to Dark Horse and won awards and sold like crazy. Interesting. Um, and at some point, somebody says to my boss, how did we miss on Billy 99? <laughs> well, you decided not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know the basis of what these decisions are made and, 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 and and what qualifies people who are not in the creative positions to make these decisions? They're just not. Well, frankly, um, you see the masthead at DC, and there are so yeah. many uh, levels of editor and manager that you oh, know, that's just crazy. Yeah, it really is. You you wonder you know who's really working over there, and <laughs> you don't even list the editor on a novel. You don't list the editor's name. <laughs> you know, yes, and they have the business manager and the. The guy vacuuming the room. I'm sorry. Somebody vacuuming the room. <laughs> You're right, though. I really? Mean, that's, but... Hey, man, any any reader who's listening right now, all you have to do is really just go to the credits. And it is ridiculous, yeah. the level. I mean, and they always had publisher and and president yeah. and and things like that but you're right it's just no it's uh, well i'm going to start of this and yeah i mean the cast list is or the the production list is ridiculous yeah i don't know how the economics of this stuff works now but when i started with dc the company had 16 employees and now it's got like 350 or 400 something like that yeah have you been to their digs in uh, burbank now no i haven't okay neither have i i was I was wondering if you had. Um, I haven't. No, I they. I, I've been invited over. I should go over just to look. And I don't want to look. I mean, you know. No, I hear you, man. Is there a reason I should go by? Yeah, come see how we're doing. I don't want to see how you're doing. I want you to send me a check. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you yeah, talked to? It would seem to me that Jeff Johns would be a fan of your work. Is that is? I talked to him. Yeah, I think he is. Okay. I mean, I kind of think he is. Okay. Um. He shared a studio with my buddy Jeff Loeb for a while. Sure. Jeff, yes. And, and, uh, and you and I talked about this, and Jeff uh, told me how much you your you know friendship with Jeff helped him kind of well, get in the biz I, and everything. And that's that's awesome. I don't know if it did, really, but I, I've known him since he was 12. That's fantastic. Um, really, I've known him since he was actually 12. I, I, was, I was 18, he was 12. Um yeah, I was I was friendly with his stepfather, and his stepfather married his mother, and I got friendly with the whole families, seven kids. That's cool. Um, I was just going to write his stepfather a letter now. Uh, I just got a letter from him in the mail. I hadn't heard from him in years. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Has, has Jeff, yeah. Jeff's got to invite you over to Marvel and uh, check out the uh, Marvel productions and everything. 
You know, he should. I'm going to tell it. him. He's listening. <laughs> no, you don't have to tell him. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. We talk a couple of times a year. He's great. And I and when I see yeah. him in San Diego, I'm always happy to see him. He's well, he, he really he and Brian Bendis and uh, and Jeff Johns even uh, they they help they really helped uh let other pe- writers and artists know that, you know, they can come on and yeah. have a good time if they talk to me. Yeah, I I I think Jeff Johns likes my stuff. I I've talked to him quite a bit, but you know, I don't know him that well. I understand. Well, I would hope that, yeah, I mean, I just, again, I, I think guys like yourself and Carrie and, and Marty and stuff, and I know that there was that flashback uh, little thing that they did in between, before the new uh, 52 got running, and they had a, they had everybody kind of come back, and I enjoyed your Justice League story that you wrote. Didn't you do it? Oh, yeah, you did thanks. a Justice League story, correct? Yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. There we go. So, um, I mean, you know how to do it. I got it. I got to go. Yeah, I know. Okay, we'll it. wrap it up. I, I want to write, write books now. Well, that, okay. That's cool. And That's what I want to do. <laughs> so, I want a I Nobel Prize in literature. I, I got to go. I'm for it. Seriously, thanks for the time. I will, uh, I'll put uh, how to get the book at the wrap so I don't keep you. But thank you for your time. And truly, I only. When, when Not My Closet is, is ready for publication, please come back. I will do that. Thanks again. All right, thanks. Elliot Magan, great to talk to him. And again, Miracle Monday, now available uh, through Amazon, through uh, bookstores. I would imagine that Diamond is uh, likely going to solicit it again as well. So uh, pick your poison. Uh, go to Magan.com. Order it directly from the guy. And Hal, if you're going to San Diego, it sounds like uh, you can get a very cool variant from Elliot as well. I can't wait to see him. And, uh, man, it was just a pleasure talking to him, and uh, hope you don't wait as many years as we did to uh, have another conversation with Elliot S. Magan. Hope you enjoyed today's Word Balloon, brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, thank you very much, League, for your support. Uh, it's truly appreciated via Patreon, and uh, that's all I can say. If you you know want to be part of that as well, you can go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad. Can you spare the price of a comic a month? I think that's, uh, you know, if you can... And you think Word Balloon and the amount of interviews that I do are worth, uh, you know, supporting it beyond uh, listening? Hey, that's huge. Never forget that. But if you can do it and help me out, patreon.com slash wordballoon or go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. And uh, some of my friends have new uh, trade paperbacks at InStock pa- Trades. Uh, you can get volume two. Of Bitch Planet, President Bitch, <laughs> Kelly Sudaconic, Valentine Delandro. I love them both. Uh, they are just doing such a wonderful job. I'm looking forward to the uh, also uh, the next volume, which is going to feature a lot of uh, guest writers and artists and the Bitch Planet movement, the uh, the non-compliance uh, movement. I think has been amazing, and it doesn't surprise me given the wonderfully talented people involved. By the way, Taki Soma. Another artist uh, that is uh, involved in this uh, version of uh, Bitch Planet. So shame on me for not mentioning you, Taki. But uh, 45% off for Volume 2. It's $8.24. Lazarus continues to kick ass. Rucka and Mike Lark. I am uh, due to have a new Rucka brief, debrief. We saw each other at C2E2. We hung out a little bit in Chicago. I I love the guy. And uh, he is due back very, very soon. Uh, But... uh, Volume 5 of Lazarus, it's uh, 45% off and just $8.24.
You can get uh, Mr. X, Archives, Trade Paperback. Such a fan of Dean Motter. That's another guy that I uh, would love to get on Word Balloon. And this was always such an amazing series in the 80s. He's got such an uh, interesting uh, style of graphic design. Always comes through in all the Mr. X books. Very art deco-y. Just, just great. And really one of, the, one of my favorite books of the 80s. And uh, it's great to have all this collected in one big volume. So uh, the Mr. X Archives is uh, actually 42% off and quite the steal at $14.49. You can get, uh, let's see, what else here? How about, uh, hey, reach back for Suicide Squad, the original run, uh, trade paperback volume six, The Phoenix Gambit. You want it, This is the kind of stuff that you like to read, man. This is Suicide Squad from uh, 40 to 49. Luke McDonald on art, of course, John Ostrander on the writing. These are the people that know how to handle Suicide Squad the right way. Reach back and enjoy it, man. Let's see, how much is this? 45% off, it's just $10.99. I'm a big fan. Can't say it enough. Uh, let's see, Revival. The Deluxe Collection Hardcover, Volume 4. Tim Seeley and Mike Norton. This uh, collects uh, issues 36 through 47. And uh, it is uh, 50% off, $17.49. Anybody else? I think that was a good list. Find more yourself. Ah, uh, here, what the hell? Because he's my guy. Brian Bendis, Alex Maleev. Infamous Iron Man, the first trade paperback. I'm enjoying it. I'm missing Tony Stark, but I got to say, seeing Victor Von Doom this way is uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, there's there's some really good stuff brewing in Infam- Infamous Iron Man. And I wonder how it will impact the rest of the Marvel Universe. But you can get Volume 1. It's uh, 42% off, just $10.43. So there you go. Nice list from uh, InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. You will find great books at great prices. InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to today's Word Balloon. we got more coming up for June. Um, have made some very good connections and cannot wait to share with you. Some old friends coming back, some new timers as well. Uh, some international new timers that I'm very excited to share with you. Uh, and uh, look forward to uh, bringing it all to you very soon. So uh, keep your eyes uh, peeled and uh, keep checking social media. At John Word Balloon is me on Twitter. And, of course, my Facebook page. And I tumble when I can as well. Much like Boy George, I'll tumble for you. Wow, bad joke. All right, enough. I'm out of here. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.